Hello, I'm Joanne Diaz, an English professor at Illinois Wesleyan University. And I'm Abram Benningen, an English professor at Washington University in St. Louis. And this is Poetry for All. This podcast is for those who already love poetry and for those who know very little about it. In this podcast, we read a poem, discuss it, learn from it, and then read it one more time. And today we're going to take a close look at actually a few short erasure poems from the artist Jen Bourbon and her incredible book, Nets. But before we do that, Joanne, can you just tell us a bit about who Jen Bourbon is and give us some context for her work? Yes, absolutely. I am so excited that we're talking about Jen Bourbon. She works in every medium. She works in video, embroidery, books, maps. Uh, one of her most famous projects is called the Dickinson Composites. And what she did was she was really concerned with the ways in which editors over the years have excised all of the various dashes and pluses and markings in Emily Dickinson's poetry. And she created these textiles that are huge. They fill the whole room. And she reinserts all of those dashes and pluses in a really beautiful way. If you take her work as a whole, what you start to see is that Jen Bourbon is an artist who's interested in scraps and fragments. Bourbon is interested in materials, in restoring what is lost. And broadly speaking, she's really interested not just in sound, but in silence. So there's this great few lines by Emily Dickinson where she writes, Nothing is the force that renovates the world. I love that fragment, and it seems like a, a guiding principle for Jen Bourbon. She's as interested in the nothing as she is in the something. That's great. Yeah. And I'm, one of the reasons we wanted to talk about her today is in particular because she has a book that's uh, about Dickinson and she has a book, this book we're talking about today, which is about Shakespeare. And so one of the things that Bourbon is really interested in is in poetic traditions themselves and how they influence us, how they get remade, uh, renovated from one generation to the next. And one of the things we've been doing with this podcast and want to do with this podcast is try to trace out the way that poets are responding to poets who came before and traditions that they are engaged in. And here she's very much doing that with Dickinson and Shakespeare and others. In fact, this is what she writes uh, at the back of her book, Nets, about those poetic traditions. She says, when we write poems, the history of poetry is with us, pre-inscribed in the white of the page. When we read or write poems, we do it with or against this palimpsest. And I think the word palimpsest is really important there. That's a word not a lot of people know, uh, but it's a word that basically means what is left when you try to erase something and then write over it. It's actually a very ancient tradition. It goes back to a time when paper was scarce. And what remained was traces of what had been before. And so literally people would write over things that they could still see were there. And that's the way she's thinking of her own work as a poet. She's writing over top of the kinds of things that are already written there on the page. So this brings up the, this, this book, Nets, that we're talking about today. And really, it's a book of erasure. Can you talk to us a little bit about what erasure is? Yes, erasure is a fairly straightforward poetic procedure. It requires that the poet erase words on a page from any text until a poem emerges from the words that remain. In the past couple of decades in particular, it's become a very, very popular mode of poetic expression. And poets use it in all kinds of different ways. Uh, Mary Rufel uses whiteout in her book, A Little White Shadow, which is full of erasures. There are some poets who use 
pure black marks as a form of redaction and removal. There are some poets that erase uh, whatever they don't use so that all that is left is their text. And in the case of Jen Bourbon, what she's providing us is this tiny book called Nets, where she reproduces Shakespeare's entire sonnet in very light very faint gray scale. So you can still read it. It's still possible to read it, but it feels like a, a phantom or a ghost in the background. And then her poems are in black ink. And there's also a, a political valence to erasure poetry. Soma Sharif has a wonderful essay about how erasure poetry is a reminder of erasure and redaction as a tool of state surveillance. And she strongly encourages poets to think about the political implications of erasure poetry. And many of the poems in Jen Bourbon's book, Nets, do attend to those politics. So let's take a look by starting perhaps with Sana 18, which we, we actually did an episode on just two weeks ago, and think about the way that it gets remade through Jen Bourbon's erasure. Should I perhaps read Shakespeare's Sonnet 18 to remind us what is there, and then you can perhaps read uh, Bourbon's erasure of it? Yes, absolutely. All right, so here is Shakespeare's Sonnet 18. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate. Rough winds do shake the darling buds of May, and summer's lease hath all too short a date. Sometime too hot the eye of heaven shines, and often is his gold complexion dimmed, and every fair from fair sometime declines, by chance or nature's changing course untrimmed. But thy eternal summer shall not fade, nor lose possession of that fair thou owest, nor shall death brag thou wanderest in his shade, when in eternal lines to time thou growest. So long as men can breathe, or eyes can see, so long lives this, and this gives life to thee. And here's Jen Bourbon's erasure of Shakespeare's Sonnet 18. Thou wanderest in shade, in lines to time. Oh my God, it's so good. I'm going to read it again. Okay. Uh, I, I, it's, it's so short. Why not read it several times? It's wonderful. Thou wanderest in shade, in lines to time. So what do you see her doing there? I mean, so we've got 14 lines of lots of words in Shakespeare, and now we have a poem of eight words. What do you love so much about this erasure? What I notice immediately is how authoritative and confident the poetic voice is in Shakespeare's Sonnet 18. So when I heard you read it aloud, I really believed in the, the authority of those lines. The sense that this is a poetic speaker that knows exactly how to describe the beauty of this object of desire and that this beauty shall never fade because it will live in the lines of the poem. But then the erasure says, thou wanderest in shade, in lines to time. So there's a wandering here that doesn't suggest confidence, that doesn't suggest to me that there is a clear uh, map on how to get to uh, immortality, uh, and, and wandering in shade, it, it's, uh, something is obscured, it's, it's dark, it's difficult to find one's way. H how do you read those lines? Yeah, I mean, in one way, I read it as an incredible intensifying of what Shakespeare is really concerned about in this poem, and in fact, in so many of these sonnets, which is... Time is coming for them. 
It's going to ravage them. And mm. Shakespeare is desperate to find an escape from that. And at the beginning here, he's quite pompous and arrogant and even overconfident about his ability to escape time's ravages. He says, you know what? Time is coming for us, coming for us all. But don't worry about it because I got this. I'm going to immortalize you in my verse. And what, what Jen Bourbon does is really draw out the, the worry the heart yes. of, of concern and anxiety that lies behind that. And she, in a certain sense, turns it into a philosophical principle. She almost muses on it. It becomes a, a much more sort of universalizing sense of the fact that this thou really represents each of us wandering in shade uh, in lines to time. And, and all of Shakespeare's attitude melts away. And what she really does is draw out the anxiety behind the attitude. And she shows him to be basically overcompensating for what he's really afraid of. That's beautifully put. Uh, I can't help but think, as I hear you talking, about the fact that Jen Bourbon is not following any of the formal constraints of the sonnet here. She's not concerned about the rhymed endings. She's not concerned about the 14 lines, the iambic pentameter, the vault, none of that. She's really stripping it way, way down to its barest elements. Even so, she's still engaging in what the critic Susan Wolfson has called sonnet thought. It's still a brief, epigrammatic, memorable, memorizable sentiment that just shatters me as a reader personally, right? That its brevity is what makes it so powerful in the way in which it corresponds with Shakespeare's poem. So even if it's not a sonnet per se, I still feel like it's of a kind in the way that it it utters itself with brevity and with intensity. Yeah, and you know, what it makes me think of is, so So sometimes we understand Shakespeare's sonnets by writing more and more and more and more about them. So we have books of commentaries on Shakespeare's sonnets, and they're just filled with more text. And it's almost as though the more text we add to explain Shakespeare's sonnets, the more we'll understand them. And in this incredible short erasure poem of Jen Bourbon, she boils it all down and says, you want to understand this poem? Here, let me give you, instead of more and more and more words, let me give you less and less and less. Yes. It really comes down to these eight words yep. and this basic premise, this basic anxiety, this basic thought. And so it's almost as though uh, she's doing a commentary on the poem with the poem that she's writing out of it. And to me, that's incredible. I mean, I've never seen Shakespeare's sonnets the way I see them now after reading this book, which I, I find really remarkable. Yeah, me too. Should, should we look at another one? Yeah, so I think one of the things to understand is sometimes what she's doing is precisely that, intensifying the meaning of these sonnets by finding a poem within them. Sometimes I think what she's doing is actually reversing what the sonnet is saying or challenging it or bringing a, a different voice to bear on it. And I think uh, Sonnet 63 is a really good example of that. So should we, should we take a look at that one? Yeah, absolutely. Here is Sonnet 63 by Shakespeare. Against my love shall be as I am now, with time's injurious hand crushed and o'erworn, when hours have drained his blood and filled his brow with lines and wrinkles, when his youthful morn hath travelled on to age's steep eat night, and all those beauties whereof now he's king are vanishing or vanished out of sight, stealing away the treasure of his spring. For such a time do I now fortify against confounding age's cruel knife, that he shall never cut from memory my sweet love's beauty, though my lover's life. His beauty shall in these black lines be seen, and they shall live, and he in them still green. And here is Jen Bourbon's Erasure. 
I am vanishing or vanished in these black lines. <laughs> oh my god. This is so good. I, I can't get enough of it. I love it. I love you, Jim Bourbon. I love you. All right. So so for those who are not yet moved by how good that is. <laughs> let, let's 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 break it down. Let's talk about why why that that kills us when we read that. I am vanishing or vanished in these black lines. Mm. What do you notice her doing here? What do you see? I love this on so many levels. The first level in which I love it is its simplicity in that eye. The the poetic speaker eye in this erasure could be that uh, object of desire in Shakespeare's poem. We finally have a chance in Jen Bourbon's erasure to hear the young man speak, right? Uh, yes. And to say, I am vanishing or vanished in these black lines suggests that even though these poems are all about the beloved, uh, they seem to be more about Shakespeare's poetic speaker than about the beloved. That there's a vanishing act that's happening here where we, we never quite get that object of desire within our grasp as readers, and she's really foregrounding that. The other reason I love it is because we have to remember that Jen Bourbon is a woman writer. She is a woman artist. She's very concerned with feminist issues, and I wonder if that there's a doubleness to that I. I, poetic speaker of this erasure in the 21st century, am vanishing or vanished in these black lines. Maybe the process of erasure is vanishing the contemporary poet. Maybe the sonnet tradition that is so male-centered vanishes the female poet. Do you know what I'm saying? So I, I read a doubleness to the, this erasure that I like quite a lot. Yeah, and you know, I mean, there's so many applications of this. So even just, I'm an early Americanist by, you know, training and research is what I study and do when I'm not doing poetry. And and so much of early American literature is about how do you read for the voices that are not there? For example, how do you get a Native American perspective from European texts, right? And here is a poetic process that in a certain sense finds a voice within the sonnet that Shakespeare has written that isn't there. She gives voice to the beloved to speak back finally to Shakespeare. Mm. We talked in the episode on Shakespeare, for example, about how he says he's going to immortalize the beauty of this beloved, but we never actually know what the beloved looks like. Mm. What we really immortalize in, in all of these sonnets is Shakespeare himself. And here's a moment for Jen Bervin to say, just hold on a second. <laughs> you and all of your acts of wondrous, uh, remarkable poetry, I am vanishing in the midst of this. I'm vanishing in your black lines. Yeah, that's great. So, should we look at one more to see what else she can accomplish with all of these erasures? Abram, I love Jen Bourbon so hard that I wish this whole podcast were about her poems. <laughs> I mean, I just love it. I'm having so much fun. Yes, let's look at Sonnet 64. All right. So, in Sonnet 64, we get a very different sense of how erasure can remake poetic traditions and the sonnets uh, of Shakespeare. So, I'll again read Shakespeare's sonnet, and you read Bourbon's erasure. Here's Shakespeare's Sonnet 64. When I have seen, by time's fell hand defaced, the rich, proud cost of outworn, buried age, when sometime lofty towers I see down raised, and brass eternal slave to mortal rage, when I have seen the hungry ocean gain advantage on the kingdom of the shore, and the firm soil win of the watery main, 
increasing store with loss and loss with store, when I have seen such interchange of state, or state itself confounded to decay, ruin hath taught me thus to ruminate that time will come and take my love away. This thought is as a death, which cannot choose but weep to have that which it fears to lose. Here's the erasure by Jen Bourbon. I have seen towers down raised, loss, loss. <laughs> when you read that, it's impossible not to think of 9-11. That's right. Right. I have seen towers down raised, loss, loss. She has found the words to speak to this in one of Shakespeare's poems. But of course, for Shakespeare, what the real concern is, is that death is approaching for the beloved. And Bourbon steps back and says, wait a second, there's a bigger context here. Uh, there's a bigger loss here. Well, and this is that sonnet thought, again, that Susan Wolfson described, where it's still, she's still engaging with the tradition, because look at what she is able to condense. I have seen towers down raised. That's the image. It's a very public catastrophe. It's, it's historical. It's, it's monumental in every way. And then the insight. So she goes from sight to insight. And the insight is loss. Loss. It's almost as if there are no other words. Yeah, and it reminds me of what you were saying at the beginning about how she's as interested in silence as she is in speech. And sometimes silence is the more appropriate. And what's interesting is, of course, poets are very much concerned about language and words. It's, it's, it's the material that they use. So how do you draw out silences with words? And here it's, it's through the repetition of a very small word twice, and that's it. So I have seen towers down raised, loss, loss. You know, and just when you read that, and I, I tried to do this when I read them as well, is I try to insert those pauses because there, it, there's almost no punctuation in any of her erasures. And I think she's really creating those pauses on purpose. They're almost like little cliffs. You kind of hang on them and you kind of wait. She's, she's always inserting those silences to remind us to listen and to watch. And I really, that's one of the biggest lessons I take away from her poetry. You know, we could probably talk about Jen Bourbon for another hour, uh, but we should probably wrap this up, thank our listeners, and direct them simply to go find this book, Nets, by Ugly Duckling Press, uh, which we want to thank for granting us permission to read these poems today. And also for links to Somal Sharif's important essay on erasure and other related materials, please do see our website, poetryforall.fireside.fm. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you for listening.